Protestants have like 35 cards in the deck and they play every one of them. Mm. And Catholics have a full deck and oftentimes don't play them. You're listening to the Ascension Roundtable podcast, episode 24, an interview with Jeff Cavins, what Catholics can learn from Protestants and vice versa. Jeff grew up Catholic, but he left the church around age 18, yelling at a bishop and storming out publicly. Later, he became a Protestant pastor, and he spent several years leading his own flock. But the Holy Spirit worked on his heart, and some years later, he returned to the Catholic faith, bringing with him a lot of practical insight from his time in the Protestant community. Stay tuned to hear Alan and Jeff talk about some of those insights. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. Today we're joined by Mr. Jeff Cavins, author of The Bible Timeline and about 400,000 other books and podcasts and Bible studies and programs and you name it. If it has to do with scripture, he has done it. Um, he's well known over the country and across the globe. What's up, Jeff? I'm doing good. Good to be with you. It's good to be here. He's in studio, by the way. I'm in, usually talking to people via Skype. And it's so nice to have somebody sitting across the table, awkwardly with the headphones and the microphone with me today. <laughs> well, it's good to join you. And I think the topic you picked out today is is an important topic for leaders around the country, especially as we we find out that some of our people are leaving and going to these independent churches and evangelical churches. Yeah. I think it's a good topic. Yeah. Uh, Jeff and I share a few things in common. One of them is our um, stunning good looks. And another is the fact that I was brought up Protestant. And Jeff spent some time in the Protestant church. He was actually brought up Catholic, left the church, and came back. Um, and in his uh, little stint away from the church, he was a Protestant minister for a while. I was. So, um, we get good and you're things. the only good-looking one in this room right now between <laughs> us guys, okay? <laughs> um, <laughs> that threw it. Yeah. I threw Stumped, him right there. Me. Yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's been a good show. Join us next week. All right. So I want to ask you a couple of things about uh, the Protestant church because our brothers and sisters over there do a lot of things right. Mm -hmm. um, they, of course, lack the fullness of the truth, um, but they do a lot of things right in the way that they uh, run their churches, so to speak. And um, I think that there are some things we could learn in the Catholic Church from what they do. So I'd love to just get your sure. thoughts on a few things, if that's all right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'd start off by saying, number one, um, I truly believe the Catholic Church has the fullness of faith. You know, we have the deposit of faith given by Jesus to the early disciples uh, through apostolic succession. It has been guarded, protected, taught down through the years. I absolutely love being Catholic. I couldn't even imagine, really, you know, walking with Christ without all the fullness that we have received as Catholics. At the same time, I think there's a number of things that our Protestant brothers and sisters do very well, you know, and that we can learn from. Uh, just like uh, we would say to them, there's some theological things they could learn from us, you know, <laughs> mm -hmm. about mm -hmm. the Blessed Mother, the Papacy, the Eucharist, the, you know, uh, the saints and liturgical year and so forth. Uh, but there's some things that we can learn from them. And I heard someone kind of put it this way, that, that Protestants have like 35 cards in the deck and they play every one of them. Mm. And Catholics have a full deck and oftentimes don't play them. Right. And we have so much, but so many Catholics don't know the beauty of, uh, of what, we, what, what we enjoy. You know, and putting this in context, uh, you're right, I, I grew up Catholic and I had a major conversion experience at 18 years old. I was in college at the time, and I ended up uh, not finishing at that college, but going to a Bible college in Dallas, Texas, 
And it was shortly after that that I left formally. I left the Catholic Church uh, in a big way. I mean, I screamed at a bishop publicly <laughs> and told him <laughs> I'm out of here. Um, but after that, I, I became a Protestant minister for about 15 years, 12 of them as a senior pastor, three as an associate. And then I started to to study my way back into the Catholic Church. But mm. while I was away, uh, I did. I did. I picked up some things that I think are, are beautiful and that we can learn from. I can think of five things that we could talk about, but, but one of them would be hospitality. Uh, when we were in the Protestant churches, we put a, a, a big premium on, on hospitality, both at church and in our homes. Mm -hmm. And some people, sometimes people will ask me, well, what do you miss about being a Protestant? You know, Well, I don't know if I miss anything theologically, in fact, I would say I don't miss anything theologically, but in terms of the friendships and the way we expressed it, I do miss some things. And one of them is hospitality. And I'll give you an idea. When people would come to our church on Sunday morning, we had a complete strategy from the moment they came into the parking lot, not mm, the building, mm -hmm. the parking lot, of who would meet them what they would look like, the smile on their face. We wow. had parking places that were just for our visitors. And you know, so it would make that an easy experience yeah. for them. And the minute they come into the building, nobody ever came to our church and wasn't greeted and wasn't recognized as a visitor immediately hmm. and was given a little bit of a, a tutorial, you know, about the children's ministry, the teen ministry, and, and afterwards we've got refreshments and so forth. We had small groups in homes. Uh, and we would follow up on everybody that came to our church. So the Sunday experience was really warm, very intentional, and uh, strategic. And, and people felt it. But that also stretched over to our homes in that, honestly, Alan, I can't remember in those 12 years, I cannot remember a Sunday where I went right home. Uh, we were huh. always at everyone's houses. And after, after, after church on Sunday, it was, where are you guys going to eat? Or let's go over to Mike and Jane's. Or you guys come over to our house for barbecue this afternoon and bring the kids. And our Sundays went beyond the, the Sunday morning experience into afternoon. And it was an amazing experience to have these kinds of friends that we shared with. The hospitality went you know, on the Sunday morning, but throughout the week. Yeah. Wow, that's huge. One of my, one of my pet peeves, I think, is... Um, when someone gets up at mass and they say, we'd like to welcome all the visitors today to our Sunday worship. I'm, I'm like, I don't feel welcomed at all. Please <laughs> you know? sign the guest book in the foyer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That would be, why don't you just, you know, welcome everybody instead of saying it, why don't you just actually do it? You know, yeah. that'd be, that'd be wonderful. How novel is that? Yeah. And, and a lot of people will say, unfortunately, they'll say, well, I went to that church for three years and nobody ever greeted me. Yeah. I never, never felt welcome yeah. or whatever. That just shouldn't, shouldn't happen. So number one, I would say that we can learn from our Protestant brothers and sisters a little bit about hospitality. Now, Father White, who wrote that book, Rebuilt, with Tom Cochran, mm -hmm. uh, good friends of mine. And I've been to their church on Sunday morning. Oh, my word. You have never seen so much welcome in a Catholic church. They, it's amazing. And then afterwards, you don't want to leave. Hmm. First of all, they got a lot of donuts. <laughs> and they've got all kinds of coffee and things. And they've got these books. For, I mean, it's just amazing, you know, what they have for the whole, for the whole family. That's great. I met a um, Mormon uh, team came to my home once before when I was in, still in Atlanta. 
And they walked up and, you know, and said, hey, we're at the, the Church of Latter-day Saints. Can we t- speak to you, with you? And I said, absolutely. Come on in. So we started talking and kind of sharing stories. And I was asking them questions. They had questions about Catholicism. They said, you know, um, can we come back? And I said, yeah, we'd love to have you over for dinner. And so we, we started meeting with them actually kind of regularly. And um, one of the deals I made with them was if they come to Mass with me, I would go to church with them and see what, um, you know, their, I forget what they call it. They, they go once a, once a week and they go once a month to like temple or whatever. But anyway, I went with the, the weekend I went with them. It was like night and day difference to how we welcome people at our church and how, how welcomed I felt walking in those doors. I mean, like three or four people came up to me and were just authentically, genuinely interested in who I was and sure. where I was from and my, my history, yeah. my past yeah, and wanted true. to talk. It was like, I was like, wow, we just, we just don't do this. I don't well, know if it's, you know, we've got soccer games to get to, or it's just everything else taking up our time instead of being present with this person who's in front of us right now, you know? Well, as, as we speak, I mean, we didn't talk about this before the show, but as we speak this last week, I have spent close to, I don't know, 10 to 12 hours in a, uh, a blind waiting to hunt Turkey with a Mormon relative of mine and we were sharing our faith and had dinner at his house and I was very warmed in my heart by their love and yeah. hospitality of opening up opening up their home so I would concur there are, there are things that we can learn from 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 others mm-hmm. you know absolutely yep besides donuts <laughs> All right, so what donuts have the best donuts in town and Nespresso and cappuccino maybe not maybe so how about a coffee bar <laughs> There's so, a lot of them out there. <laughs> so, okay, so hospitality. So um, what about, uh, I know we hear a lot that Protestants, they, they, know their, they know their Bible, they know their scripture. And Catholics, we don't, we don't read the Bible, which is not true because if you go to Mass every day for three years, you read the entire Bible. But what can you say about scripture and preaching and those types of things that our Protestant sure. brothers are doing? Well, that would be another, that would be a point that I would uh, say that'd be point two, you know, that uh, hospitality one, scripture number two. Uh, there. Let me just be frank about, about about scripture and our Protestant brothers and sisters, because I was one and I was a teacher, I was a pastor. The, the scripture is the center of the faith. Uh, sometimes Catholics will say that well, they got scripture, we got sacraments. Well, no, we got both. You know, it's not it's not one or the other. We have we have both. Without the sacraments, though, the scripture does take center place in a Protestant church, and it becomes the focal point of learning, formation, worship, fellowship. And so having a Bible that you live in and carry with you becomes very, very important. And Scripture is important, and there's a premium put on memorizing Scripture. But here's where the breakdown takes place. A lot of people think that Protestants know massive amounts of the Bible and have memorized massive amounts. It's just not true. And it's not a cut, because Catholics don't do it either, <laughs> you know? But but they, they have memorized, in many cases, five, six, maybe ten verses that have become very important to them. You know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, or I've been crucified with Christ. You know, it's no longer I who live, Galatians 2.20. So they, they might know five to ten of them, and they repeat them. Now, if you repeat that, it might sound like, wow, you really know the Bible, don't you? You know, it's like me saying over and over, House of Representatives in the Senate, wow, do you know government? You know, no, not really. I kind of gave you about a third of everything I know right there. Now, I don't know of any group out there that has memorized massive amounts of the Bible. But one of the things I do miss 
is getting together with people with Bibles, opening up and talking and discussing. Mm. Uh, it's kind of funny because when people come around the country to the Great Adventure Seminars on the weekend where mm -hmm. I give the whole Bible on a Saturday, mm -hmm. a common question that we get before they attend is, should I bring a Bible? <laughs> I mean, no, bring the Quran. Let's just spice it up a little bit. Of course you should bring the Bible. It's a Bible seminar, you know, you Catholic. <laughs> and so I think that just fellowshipping around the word of God is something that both my wife and I would say, we miss an aspect of that. But I'm, I also would say this, it's growing in the Catholic church. And, you know, it's like anything else. If you see it as a problem and you miss something, solve it. Be the one that starts to open up the Word of God. Yeah. Be the one that opens up your home for hospitality. Be the one that greets people on a Sunday morning. Don't be just the critic, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah that scripture, is, scripture is very important to our Protestant brothers and sisters, and it's something that, that uh, it would do us well to, to become, you know, excited about that ourselves. Yeah, and just memorize some verses. Yeah. To throw back at them. Yeah. yeah, and age is never an excuse. You can do that, you know... Well, I mean, look at you. You're in your, what, 70s now? and I look a day over. Now people are going to be Googling you. They're going to be Googling you. <laughs> Thank goodness I won't come up. <laughs> What's that guy look like? Well, you already said you were handsome, so he's old and handsome. <laughs> right. So what about um, the, the biggie, um, personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Mm -hmm. You're Catholic. Do you, guys, uh, do you guys believe in Jesus? Do you have a, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? We do. Oh, we do. Tell in me fact, about that. In fact, we even the language is used. Pope Benedict even uses that language, and and it's been used by Pope Francis. You know that that uh, two things. One is that Jesus came to die for all of humanity. He has a family, the Church, and that is this corporate relationship. He has a a relationship with all of the brothers and sisters. We study together. We we worship together. We put his word into action together as a family. We interpret scripture together. It's not a private thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that's really, really important. On the other side of that coin, however, is that you are also responsible for this relationship personally. There is no such thing as merely a corporate relationship. Mm. Uh, like in our family, you know, if you have children or, or our listeners have children, uh, every dad has a relationship with every child in that family. If a child came up and said, my father, he would say, no, 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 no. Our father. Remember, you got mm. brothers and sisters, okay? Mm. A father would do that. Every father would speak to his children, but mm -hmm. every father would hold a child and have that relationship uh, with, with a child. So that's something that we we adhere to. You know, there's a corporate and there's a personal relationship with the the Lord, and you know, bring this out as far as we can go. When it's all said and done, and you're pushing daisies, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is a nice way of saying you're dead, as they say in Texas, where Maurice is from, dead, dead, is that you're going to stand before God, not us, you. I'm not going to be there with a little notepad saying, "But Jesus, remember about Alan." You know, it's you. Standing before God, giving an account for your life, and yes, we all played a role. Maybe we helped you, maybe we, we didn't, but we're not standing together in judgment. Every individual will stand and be judged on what they did in the body. So, I'm so doomed. The, <laughs> now you tell me. That's what, but that's what this is all about, you know, is that 
uh, there is a personal relationship because there also is a personal judgment that's going to take place mm. in our in our lives. Now, another thing about the personal relationship is that uh, I think we got it right. You know, in the Catholic Church, the emphasis is on both. It's on right. both. Mm-hmm. But if I know that you have a personal relationship with God, and then we get into a Bible study, I don't have to just make everything generic. I can talk about your life. And if I'm talking to you at lunch and you say I'm having problems in this area or whatever, we can talk about applying the Word of God to your life mm-hmm. personally. And and when you wake up in the morning, it's you and Jesus and the Blessed Mother and the saints. In the evening before you go to bed, we're not all there. It's it's you. So I, I think it's, um, it's both. And uh, I think that overall, many Catholics need to do a little bit more work on my own relationship with God, that it's not good enough just to show up for church and to say, well, collectively, this is what we all believe, but more of that personal, this is what I believe. This mm-hmm. is my faith. Sounds a lot like discipleship. Yeah. Which I would say our Protestant brothers and sisters, again, talk about openly and, and frequently in church, whereas I think that we maybe need to, I think yeah. we're beginning to do that as a church. Yeah. Um, what would you say? Well, the, the discipleship speaks of a continuum from beginning to end of growth. And uh, many of our Protestant brothers and sisters are, are very cognizant of that. Of mm-hmm. The minute you walk into their church, first of all, they're going to find out if you're saved. Right. <laughs> and, and if you're not, they want to pray with you. And they mean well, and it's, I, it's noble, and I think that it's great that they would want to pray with you to accept Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And then they want to know how they can help you grow and, and yeah. mature. So they will have classes and a, like a continuum to go through to bring you to some level of, of maturity. And that's discipleship. And so one person helps another person. That is happening more and more in the Catholic Church in America today. There's an emphasis on discipleship, and the bishops are focusing on that. But there are a lot of Catholic Catholics out there that have never really thought about it at all. I mean, I'm just Catholic. I mean, what more do you want? Right. Exactly. You know, and so I think we have to do a better job of, of bringing up the issue of continual growth and becoming more like Christ and formed to the life of Christ, which is what discipleship is. Discipleship is, is you know, it, it's walking with Jesus with the hopes of becoming like Jesus. Right. And we need others to walk with us to show the, show the way. Yeah, man, good stuff. What about uh, preaching as opposed to... Um, homiletics, and they can be the same thing. They might be different. Um, what do you? What would you have to say as far as? Um, uh, there's some awesome. There's some really good. I've heard some excellent um, Protestant preachers that are just they're good mm-hmm. public speakers. They do a good job at doing what they do. Sure. Um, and I've seen some and heard some good um, priests as well. But what would you say in the line of of that? Well, the the role of the of the the sermon in a in a Protestant setting is different than the role of a homily in the context of the sacrifice. Of the mass, the the homily in a Catholic church is not the center of everything. It is the hearing of God's word. Number one, number two, you know, number one is the liturgy of the word. Number two is the liturgy of the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. The homily complements the reading of the scripture readings and gives a sense of it and hopefully an, an application of that. As you know, you've traveled around, and I have too. Some are are better than others <laughs> you know there are some that's not so good and some is is really pretty good uh the art of giving a uh, uh a succinct 
uh, applicable message in a short period of time is hard. That's hard to do. Mm -hmm. That's an art. You've got to work at that. In a Protestant circle, that sermon is the heart of that service that they are in. That's what they came to hear. They want to know what, what do you what 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 aspect of the Word of God are you going to preach? It's going to make a difference in my life. And if it's not making a difference in my life, or you're boring, or it doesn't it doesn't apply to my life, they will church hop. Mm-hmm. Well, we don't church hop as easily right. as Catholics because it wasn't the homily I came for, even though that's nice. It was the hearing of the word, and it was the body and blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. But this is one of the things that my friend Pat Lencioni and I are talking a lot about right now as we're working on the amazing parish initiatives around the country, and that is how do we help priests and deacons prepare, organize, and deliver more effective homilies? Uh, a lot of seminaries don't, don't really tackle that well, mm-hmm. and, uh, and we think that there's room for improvement there that we can at least be a part of, you know. And, and so how they, how they uh, take that reading for the week and apply it to real people who are going through real things mm-hmm. in their life is an art. There are three things to being a really good communicator as a priest or a deacon. Number one, know your subject, know the faith, know it well. Number two, know your people well. Know the condition of your flocks, the scripture says. Know well the condition of your flocks. Number three, know how to take that message and apply it to the flock. Mm. And the only way you can do that is you have to know them. What do women, 45 to 55, go through collectively? What are they struggling with in their life? Men, 55 to 60, what are they thinking about? What are they worried about? College students, six months away from graduating, what is on their mind? You know, single moms, um, grandparents, widows, we have to know people and communicate the word of God to them. And I think that we can do that, you know, in our, in our, uh, in our education and so forth. But I would just kind of wind that, that fifth point up about preaching with practical application, that it is good, it is nice. Um, do we always get that in the Catholic Church? No, but it's no reason to leave that that church, particularly in the modern era with social media, where you want a good homily? I can name 10 priests around the country that put them all on every week. Online, yeah. Online. You want a good homily? Yeah. Okay, I'll give you those. Uh, Father, uh, what was his name? Mikey Schmidt? Or what, what, never, what, never heard of him. Was. Anyway, that guy from Duluth. <laughs> He, Another Minnesota guy. He's got a, he's got something on Ascension Presents, and he's got he's got a lot of homilies. Uh, Father Mallon, Father White. There's probably fifty tremendous priests. If that's all you want, it's there. You don't have to leave, yeah. but enter deeply into the mass. Yeah. And this isn't the main thing. It's out there, and we can do a better job in our seminaries and encouraging priests and deacons to be really outstanding homilists. Yeah, and that's a great point that your people compare sometimes like a Protestant worship service to Mass, and it's really like comparing apples and oranges. They're just not the same. And, and um, I've heard somebody say once, if you're going to prepare for to give an hour talk, they spend like 10 minutes. But if you're going to prepare to give a 20-minute talk, they spend an hour, something like that. So See, if, it's the opposite. How does it go? Yeah, it's actually the opposite is um, that if you have an hour to speak, it only takes me 10 minutes to prepare. If I you want half an hour, it's going to take me... Yeah, you know, five minutes, whatever. If you tell me I only got six minutes, it's, it might take me an hour. Right. You know, see, I, it's like you mean I only got five minutes, and I got to get just 
oh, how do I do this? You know, and you right. got to think about it. But if you say, hey, you got an hour. Well, okay, I have to write down a few notes here, and I just talk, and I got the gift yeah. of gab. So the, our priests have got to prepare for those Even things. Even if you were an outstanding homilist, the people are used to a certain period of mm-hmm. time. You can't say, well, Father so-and-so is unbelievable as a homilist. Oh, we'll let him go an hour. People aren't going to do it. Right, you know, right. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So there you have it, folks. We got um, five things that uh, we can learn from our Protestant brothers and sisters. Uh, hospitality, scripture, uh, personal relationship and discipleship, and uh, preaching, uh, especially with a practical application. Um, anything else you want to add to uh, this time today? Well, just recap what we said at the beginning of the show, and that is that uh, what we are saying here today is that, uh, that not that we are less than or that we are missing out anything here. It's that uh, we have everything, and there are areas where we can improve, and those areas where we could improve are typically areas where Protestants have improved, yeah. and oftentimes our people leave. Yeah. So I think we have some things to learn. And, you know, the Amazing Parish Movement is addressing this. Father White with Rebuilt, Renovate with Father Mallon. These are great sources mm-hmm. that that do borrow from the good things and the best practices that our, our brothers and sisters in Protestant circles are using. Yeah. That was much better put than I said. So <laughs> that's why I asked the questions and you answer the questions. Yes, but you get the paycheck. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been fun, Jeff. I appreciate you coming on the show today. I know you got your own show. When you come in town, you're completely tied up, but everybody wants a piece of your time and a, and a piece of the cavens. And so I appreciate you giving a it's good little to be time with you to too. Yeah. Thank you. Good to be with you. All right, guys. Know that we're praying for you. Um, keep doing what you're doing. You're doing good work. If you want to leave us a comment in the show notes, you can at ascensionpresents.com slash podcasts. Or you can email us directly at ascensionroundtable at ascensionpress.com. Thank you and have a great week. Peace 